Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with ultra runner and campaigner Sophie Power. It's a good one. It's a good one. They're always good, Ben. That's true. I mean, the reviews would say otherwise. <laughs> no, I just... It, it was a really good chat with Sophie. Always is. She's been on before, but we haven't spoken to her for a while. And she's been very busy. She, she's got... Yeah, she's, she's a worker, isn't she? She mm. is constantly trying to make positive change in running. Which is good. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Agreed, right? yeah. And it's through her kind of She Races uh, campaign or that she founded. And it's about uh, kind of trying to get more gender equality in long-distance races. Yeah. So, you know, it's and not just sort of it's not just a campaign where noise is made and sort of things are happening. And it's kind of that sort of level. It's it's absolutely like there's a guide for race for camp for yeah, race yeah, organizers yeah. to follow and, and like anything that is seen is followed. You know, it's like it's a real how to. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's a sort lots of mandate, yeah. not yes, just like yeah, yeah. A, we want this to happen and, and make changes. Everyone. It's like, here's the instructions. Like it's really yeah, very reasonable. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think she's been at the forefront of lots of change. I think the London Marathon changed its pregnancy deferral policy partly based on yeah on the she races uh, commentary. So all good stuff. Ben, talk to me about your running. What have you been up to? Um, but it's, it's been pretty low key, I think. Yeah, since since, since the ultra, since the ultra, <laughs> much the much much discussed non ultra. I've just been out just doing some nice running. Yeah. Not really looking at a watch, not really having a watch at some time, just like going off for a nice run around the forest and just having that sort of going back to that sort of basics of just enjoy yeah, yeah, it, yeah, enjoying yeah. it. Um, but uh, have signed up for something else at the Jan- end of January. Nice. So um, going to do the Ben Fleet 15. Oh, yeah. Because you and me just are working our way through the more sort of abnormal races. Yeah, we're, we're like 10 gonna... for you, 10 miles, yeah. which you've just, we'll talk about. That's a pretty standard. 15 is not a... You don't get a lot of them, but obviously you do get another one that you thought that race was that one. Well, no. So <laughs> listeners might have heard me talk about the dog pack in the last uh, episode. And uh, someone in the dog pack said, let's do this race. And then went, oh, I thought it was the other one. But we'd all signed up by that point. Right. But I mean, 15 miles, mud's involved. Same thing. I think it just sounds like a great winter race. Yeah, kind of like, yeah. you know, hills, mud. Embrace the uh, the landscape at that time of year. Yeah, I think so. So that's that's the that's next good. one. I feel I'm 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 just I've, I've sort of had that sort of like post race incredibly tired. Not sure about doing anything more than just plodding around things. So yeah, I but need that, to, that's right though, isn't it? That's ex- as it should be. I think if you fight against that, you kind of end up totally being, yeah, yeah. being a bit ruined. So um but it's not the race is on end of January, so at some point a bit I'll, of time, yeah. a little bit, 
But yeah. I think one November, once November rolls around, it'll be like, oh, I should probably think about doing some. Yeah, right. It'll kind of concerted come effort quickly. towards this. <laughs> yeah. um, right, come on. Let's talk about let's talk about the cabbage. The cabbage patch, patch ten. Um, yeah. Cabbage patch ten. Headlines are brilliant race. Yes, definitely coming back next year. Is oh. is absolutely excellent race, yeah. and it's a kind of um, it gets a lot of stuff right. Like it's got. Um, just a little details like you get a nice wooden medal I also got like a, a can of London Pride nice. within seconds of finishing within which is which is nice I'm an, into that an AM beer yeah nice. and sort of medium sized race so I don't know how many it felt like it might be might be 2,000 people taking part but like so that you get a sense of like there's an occasion happening something's happening yeah but it's not um, it's not overwhelming yeah for me it's relatively local like it's, it's kind of in London still um, pretty flat weather was spectacular for running on Actually, over the weekend in general, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was like, good. It was probably like six or seven degrees at the start. But that's what you want, isn't it? Because mm. when you start running, you're kind of like, oh, brilliant. Um, Especially an, a race of effort like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I ended up doing 104.03, I think. Um, I said, I think I said, I mean, I, I had various predictions of what I'd do, but I think I would have been very disappointed not running under 105 and very happy with 103. Well, you weren't far off. So it's kind of like, it's about right. Yeah. It's about right. I was looking at the field, the results. Yeah. And I was mainly checking on to see how you went. <laughs> but um, it was very interesting to see that race. If you'd gone under an hour, you would have finished 73rd or something like that. Yeah, so quite a good The calibre of running yeah. then. And I think the winner did like 48 something. I know. People who run 10 miles in under 50 minutes, I'm not sure we're the same species. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah, I'm just like 100% I mean obviously look these people are training way more than I've ever trained and maybe have you know just more dedication and, and sort of uh, ability ability hmm. at running um, I think that's safe to say but I just I mean I, I don't think I could run one sub five minute mile and it's just ten you know ten of them smashing it out smashing it out um, it's funny obviously we're going to go and talk about uh, female participation races and I found myself as I do I think I'm the kind of runner that I'll run with relatively okay male club runners yeah. if I'm sort of if I'm relatively fit, and I'll end up running in that same pace with with very good female club runners, yeah. and it was yeah, that was the case at Cabbage Patch as well. And it's kind of it's kind of more interesting because that like often they'd be fighting for kind of the top ten places or whatever, yeah. And and as always, pacing themselves much better than I tend to be. Or, or, I mean, you mean they, they show the skill and uh, ability that um, basically very good runners have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I really benefit from. It. I'm like, I kind of think, all right, I'm pretty sure these, you know, these women are going to be running relatively even pace, and I'm going to try and stick <laughs> stick good. around. Basically, yeah, it's a really good tactic. So it's no, it's good. Um, and then Twickenham's a nice place post race, so we ended up going for an AM pint, which I'm a big Wait, fan so of. Wait, so you'd already had an AM London, can of London Pride, or did you save the Pride for later? I actually had to save the Pride because cause I was like, oh, I can't. I can't drink that first. That can't be the first <laughs> yeah. thing that passes my lips after this race. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you, what an adult you are these yeah, days. Yeah, I know. But that was really good. Um, and maybe a bit like you, was I, I just enjoyed the race experience for I need to, so I'm going to try and do a 10K, maybe off-road, like before the end of the year. Nice. Maybe December or something like that, yeah. Yeah. You, you quite like a, a Surrey-based off-road <laughs> yeah, adventure, yeah, don't you? Church, yeah. 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 yeah, There was some good stuff around there, weren't there? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's yeah. great. But look, let's get our guest of the week on. Let's do it. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio. Or a complete unknown. Ben, here's your first question. Are we going? You're doing any intro? I'm doing intro at the end. All right, intro at the end. <laughs> Sophie, welcome to the Runners World podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> that is how professional we are. We just launched <laughs> straight in. Um, 
can you, amongst other things that we're going to talk about, let's talk about she races to start with. I think that's probably going to be like a good topic starter. Can you tell us what she races is, why you set it up, all those sorts of things? Sure. So she races is essentially, at its heart, really a set of guidelines for race directors to make races of all lengths and all types. Um, and not just running, even kind of we'll put triathlon in there and the cycling stuff in there too. Um, more inclusive of women. Kind of get more women on the start line, give us a better experience when we're racing and really equally value kind of the, the female competition kind of equally to the men's. So I set it up about, about a year ago, so not very long. Um, really in response to um, since kind of that photo was taken of me at UTMB kind of breastfeeding Cormac and that went right around the world and the reason I was on that start line was because they wouldn't defer my entry for pregnancy which made no sense um, and I'd already lost an entry four years earlier and I was really frustrated and lots of race directors actually approached me after that saying we've never had a pregnancy deferral policy and we realized we needed one but we just didn't think about it because right. we're men yeah, yeah. And, 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 and they're generally like well, what else can we do and so I started working with kind of races and um, kind of got London Marathon to put a pregnancy deferral in for, for the good for age um, and then since then kind of Chicago and then I took a step back and said it's not just pregnancy deferrals there are so many reasons why we don't have as many women as men on start lines and even the races where we do the 5k 10ks we're not given that same experience. We still get T-shirts that don't fit. We don't have good enough toilet facilities or changing facilities. The marketing is still often a load of kind of skinny men at the front um, and really not diverse. So I did a really big survey of over 2,000 women, runners, athletes of all distances, of all speeds and said, what are the barriers to racing? What would you like to see at events? And had a huge amount of response, kind of 200 pages of stories, and I learned so, so much, and worked with race directors to turn this into the guidelines for races, um, which are really kind of simple, um, free, pretty much, for them to do. And those races have seen their kind of female participation rise, and we've got a huge amount of races kind of signed up to um, adhere to the guidelines, and they're she races races, and we know that, you know, when we look at the longer events where kind of ultra marathons we're kind of 23% i think the latest stats these races are budging kind of 50%. When you did the survey what were some of the the big barriers that were mentioned? I think signing up so we kind of look at when you're looking at a start line um cutoffs um half the women look at the cutoffs and they've been put off a race by those cutoffs um logistics um so kind of 40% of women just don't know how it's all going to work, getting to the start line, kind of their safety around the event. Right. Um, when we talk about what we experience in events, I think we had 96% of women had experienced kind of something in the event that just didn't feel right to them as a woman, whether that there weren't period products, they had the T-shirts that didn't fit, they didn't have changing facilities, there was an equal coverage of the, the, the kind of female competition alongside the men's. Something was there that could have been easily changed that the race director probably hadn't thought of, but would have got warm, more women on that start line and, and having a better race experience. Yeah. And that must start at the, like, the website and clicks and like, look at the, the imagery and everything like that, like all those sorts of things, right? It's, it starts there, and, it's, and it's, it's funny, kind of I have race directors that um, message me and go, we're doing everything we possibly can on the race day. You know, we have period products, we have kind of um, females at aid stations, we've got kind of toy facilities, we've got the great T-shirts, prize money, 
And so I open up their website and look at your imagery and look at how you're describing your race. You know, you're describing it as the toughest, baddest, most brutal ultra that, you know, you kinda, you're going to get kind of, kind of your head's going to get chopped off if you don't make the cutoffs. <laughs> and actually, it's a really inclusive race and it's a wonderful experience. But unless you tell people what's available and what kind of race it is on your website, they're not going to sign up in the first place. If you show kind of only the elite runners at the front and you don't show a great diversity of color, of size, of sex, we're not going to feel we belong and we're not going to sign up. So you've got to do the right thing, but you've also got to tell us about it. Um, I was thinking as well about um, not just sort of entering the race, but the experience uh, of it. I did a, a relay race recently where at the end they did all of the men's prizes before any of the women's won. So they went through all the age categories um, of all the men and then and then they got to the women. And of course, by that point, everyone had gone home. And the only people left to sort of, you know, clap the women were the ones who thought they probably had, you know, their team had won a prize. So it's, a, it, it, it's, it's not just about, um, you know, I think people would think, oh, maybe it's about prize money, right? And it's about that kind of thing. But it's also about how you present things, isn't it? It's so much more than prize money. I think people think prize money is a base, but when we look at social media and we look at, they're saying the, even the language, like, you know, the winner of the race is, and the top females is when it, there's a, there's two winners in every race. You've got your male winner and you've got your female winner. Um, it's how much they do a race preview. So the race preview might can list all the men, but the women are kind of an afterthought. It's the coverage of the race. I think um, UTMB this year kind of, tried to commit to equal coverage for men and women and it was really improved it's not quite there but it's a lot better than last year um and then when you put the 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 results up what's really frustrating is as a woman i want to see the podium the the women's race and if you can't filter them and you're looking down the men's going okay there's first women second third they should be separated out there i mean there are there are two races and there's an overall but really, there are two races and we need to see our, our kind of competition and, and be inspired, not just for the, the faster runners, kind of the women as a whole. We, we want to see where we came in our categories. Can we talk about the, like the UTMB and those kind of races, those longer races? Do you think that actually the barriers for women when it comes to ultramarathons are, kind of, are more than for, for shorter races? I think definitely. I think UTMBs are very low and you've got this kind of prolonged kind of qualification process, which is very expensive. Yeah. Um, and holds a lot of women back kind of were less likely to spend the money I think for the ultra races you've got kind of two parts I think you definitely have the society I and mean, we have five hours less free time than men every week we have less time to train um, but a lot of that is how the races are described to us and how kind of we look at training needed for a race in terms of a male lens so for someone who kind of gets a car and goes to the office you know, maybe they need to run this many miles a week. But if I think of someone like myself, I do 20 miles a week on my school walk up and down a hill. That's brilliant ultra training. And a lot of women are training in their daily life um, to do an ultra. And we, we often kind of say, with, with the language around the race, is the biggest, baddest, toughest. We forget that most people walk ultras. I know James Paul's on the podcast and he described it brilliantly. He walks. He walks really fast. Yeah, he's a great walker. Oh, he's yeah. such a good walker. <laughs> um, but you can walk them. And, and marathon training, it's actually quite hard to do a marathon from scratch in six, six and a half hours. But if someone gives you a 13, 14 or no cutoff to do 30 miles, that's much easier. You just have to walk and keep walking, um, fix your feet, eat a lot, 
and you finish. So I think we've lost that in the whole describing ultramarathons as super difficult and bigger than a marathon. I think we've lost the fact that the training's very different and actually kind of easier potentially for a lot of women to do. And there's a lot of reframing, I think, that needs to happen um, to get more women on those start lines because we're absolutely capable. Um, And when we enter, we often do really, really well. Isn't there a lot more statistic that a lot more women finish? I mean, obviously, like you look at something like the UTMB, I think it was, what, 11% women or something? Is that all? But the percentage of finishers is higher because women don't tend to put themselves on the start line unless they're sort of, you know, they really feel prepared, whereas men are more likely to kind of, oh, wing it. <laughs> yes, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> It, I, I think it's not it, so much a question of an accusation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's definitely true, though. No, it's, it's I mean, when we don't feel qualified to sign up for things. So that's where I think three times as many women cite cutoffs um, compared to, to men. They'll just be like, oh, of course I can do it. Um, but you do look at in the, in the stats, and one um, survey came out with that at 195 mile races, women are faster than men. And it's not that women in a whole get faster than men. That's still kind of. 10 to 12 percent difference is there is that women were far more qualified to actually enter the event in the first place because we were looking and we're like we can actually do this we've looked the cutoffs we've broken it all down um we just didn't have the confidence to do it and i guess that's where the intro ultras kind of come in where you can have a go and it's 30 35 40 miles no cutoffs and then you can work out what you can do and then you get the confidence to sign up for the 50 and then the the very, very slippery slope down to the hundreds <laughs> and the really silly stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned the coverage of the, and the, the podiums and all this sort of stuff. And it, it kind of brings up the point that most major races, there's the, the headlines would always suggest that the, women's are, the women are doing incredibly well. And the longer the races, you're getting women winning the race outright, regardless of how it's presented. But they're, they're, they're the winners. So there's a sort of just sort of just devil's advocate like it seems like women are doing all right in terms of their the performance and the capability so what beyond the headlines though and sort of taking into account what we've already said what are the sort of what are the continuing issues then in terms of the performance side of women's the women ultra running sport and and how what we see at the end of a race is different from what's actually taking place If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I think you certainly see the lack of women on the start lines. Um, we don't see that depth in the women's field. We don't see the kind of the women kind of stepping up from the shorter distances. You know, we're a real minority, and especially as the race gets kind of more technical, finding that confidence to be there. We are so lucky that we have so many phenomenal um, elite female athletes. But you know, Courtney's still kind of several hours behind Jim in, in UTMB. Um, but and there's a real lack of diversity in that elite athlete base can kind of be brought up. So. There's that to kind of fix in the sport, kind of bringing a better diversity of runners through, especially in the trail um, and the, in the kind of trail scene and the non-pro because most of these runners, they're not paid very well and it's expensive. I mean, our sport's really expensive if you're flying around the world. But I think women kind of on the races, having the confidence to be there um, and then having, I think, that great experience while you're racing, it's quite difficult to do some of these races if you're on your period um, if you're kind of worried about changing, if you're worried about kind of toilet facilities and then being appreciated an athlete. And on the elite side, if we don't have that equal marketing coverage, those elite athletes can't get those equal sponsorships that allow them to support. So you have far few, um, fewer female elite athletes than you would do the male side. Um, and pro trial runners are working really hard on this and they were helping um, support me on, on the work with UTMB. Um, to make sure we even out that that elite race and that will hopefully trickle down to women more feeling that you know, those longer races are, are something that we can do. Um, and we know that actually we're really going to get there and we get the amazing feel of doing something kind of outside the rest of our life. I was just going to ask about the kind of um, what resistance you've, you've come up against, um, you know, because there is always this sort of pushback of, oh, you know, we, we we did it fairly. I don't know what you're talking about. There was a thing recently, wasn't there? At that, um, uh, I think it was a 5K race where there was like a confetti cannon for the men's. Yeah, winner. I put on and, Instagram that where's her confetti? Yeah, like, that blew up a little bit. And yeah, got quite a lot of um, pushback, didn't it? I think that got, I think that did get pushback, and and you know I've had an apology from the race director um, after that for the pushback on. You know there there was there was no confetti, and we point out a lot of stuff and. And, and almost always race directors go, I just didn't realize. And, and they engage really strongly. And um, a lot of race directors said, thank you for putting these guidelines together because you know, we don't know what we don't know. And I personally, as a woman, I, I don't speak for all women. Um, and I've learned so much with, with the survey results, with consulting with kind of women of all kind of different backgrounds or different speeds, kind of some of the issues, kind of safety issues that I'd never considered um, some of the diversity issues I'd never considered before and putting those into the guidelines as much as we could so race director has been really positive because 
I think we have to realize that races are a business yeah. um, and they make money. And if you can tell a business, here's some things you can do for pretty much no cost and they're going to get more people on your start line mm-hmm. having great experiences and coming back. I mean, why wouldn't you listen? Yeah. Um, so there's been some pushback, I think, from the foul racing community, but um, wanting very tight cutoffs and, and, and not being so welcoming. But that is changing there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been... Um, yeah, it's been really, really positive. That's I, good. it's. I mean, even I think UTMB took five years to put a pregnancy policy in, yeah. but now they have. They've been really welcoming and and working kind of closely and thinking what else they can do. And then they've adopted more of the she races guidelines recently, and it's for their thirty plus races globally. Mm. So we're now starting to get it outside the UK into other communities. Those races do the right thing. They're making it more inclusive, showing their local races. So it's been um, it's been really positive. Um, it's a lot of work, <laughs> but it's, it's the, the stories that come back and the experiences women are having and getting to the start lines and finishing these, um, not just the tough events, kind of the, the 5Ks as well, um, which are, are tough when you're, you're coming into the sport. Um, that's your first step and you want to feel that, you know, the cutoff is, is right for you and you want to feel comfortable in the start line. Um, and that's having a big impact there. So it's, um, yeah, it's been really positive. I think when you talk about like the UTMB and how that from the top down that sort of where we've changed this policy and that means it filters down into these smaller events. How's that with how's that happening with brands? Then do you think are the brands getting involved? Obviously, if they've got elite female athletes, they want to sort of like showcase them. And but are they doing enough as well to then support everyone else? I think we've we've seen more of the showcase in the elite females. I think we brands are still kind of coming onto the train of showcasing kind of stories of of a real diversity of female athletes from the back of the pack to the front of the pack and from all backgrounds I think they are realizing that runners don't all look like elites and we're not like elites and actually for a lot of us they're not very relatable mm. um if I think of myself you know I'm not a pro runner I train pretty hard and I represent GB but I don't get to do afternoon naps um <laughs> which I'd re- and I don't have kind not of in a tent sleeping in a tent <laughs> It'd be, it'd be amazing um <laughs> but I don't get to do that and so I'm looking to the real stories of women that kind of are juggling work and childcare, um and we want to see these featured I think for brands on the events we'd love more brands to be the ones leading the way saying to I'm sponsoring this event you know you need to make sure it's fully inclusive of women there's a lot of brands that say we really support women and then we see them supporting events that are really not inclusive of women um, and they don't have pregnancy deferrals and they still have the t-shirts that don't fit um, and they don't have the toilet facilities and they're not looking at diversity and that should reflect the brand so I think that's the next step change is, is really going to go into the brands and say you're putting a lot of money into these events mm. um, and when I think back to how some big events have actually we've convinced them to change their policies um, when they said no in the first case we've actually gone to the brand and the brand has been the one that has put the pressure, put the pressure on. on. So yeah. um, we'll we'll get them changed one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than like improving your fitness, what what do you think an ultra can offer people? I'm thinking I'm thinking about women here. Maybe maybe mums who don't think they've got time to do something like that. How how would you sell in doing these ultra trail events? What, what do you think it kind of it, it can offer people? I think there's something incredible about no matter what length an event is. Um, no matter how long it takes or kind of how difficult it sounds, crossing a finish line that you didn't think you could cross. I mean, for me personally, has given me so much strength in the rest of our lives. When you set a challenge and say, 
that's a little bit uncomfortable. And then you finish it. And then it opens up your mind up to what else you can do in your in the whole of your life. I think ultras are amazing. I think there's a great time to be out in nature. Um, for me as a mum, kind of, I know I run around an athletics track kind of for 24 hours. And at home I look after five people and I just have to look after myself and focus on myself. And I have that clear mind for such a long period of time. Um, it's time with friends. It's proper time with friends. Oh, and the food, aid station food, <laughs> the cake. Oh, there's one, there's one archer, Conchita Cafeta, I used to, to laugh. I used to do it all on the fruit cake yeah, that right. they had. You've yeah. done that. I've done it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, was, it was great, actually. It's, like, it's January time, isn't it? Yeah, and it's yeah. all about the fruit cake. Um, so the whole thing, just as a, just, just as a fun thing to do, because runners do silly things. But I, I think that's ultra running. I think it's, and the pressure's off. So no one knows, I think the average pace in ultras, some of them was like over 13 minutes a mile. There's no pressure, there's no, what's your marathon time? Because you can run an ultra one year and the same race the year after when you're much more fit and be slower because the course is really muddy or it was bad conditions. And I think it takes it out of the pressure of, well, what's your marathon time? And people ask me, I, like, I don't know what my marathon time is. Does, does it, why, why is it, why are you asking me? Mm-hmm. Why is that the most interesting thing about my running yeah. compared to the kind of places I've been to, the, the, the courses I've kind of finished or DNF spectacularly? Yeah. Um, quick question, quick question for you, Kate, um, and for Sophie, but do you think that it's also women need to give themselves permission to, to, dedicate time to a, to a passion like running it's like there's a sense i think probably passions like cycling golf ultra running they are mainly male because yeah. partly blokes subconsciously or consciously kind of think they have more free time or um and and the weight of that can fall onto like in terms of childcare can fall onto onto women more um for you kate was it you're, you're a very serious runner did you have to give yourself permission to kind of say actually this is really important to me i'm going to dedicate a serious amount of time to it um, well, I think it was probably more incremental than that with me. I mean, I started running to <laughs> to get away from <laughs> should have got into ultras that have had more time uh, time on. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I do. You know, I I notice a lot of people talk about oh, I can I can do that. I feel too guilty. You know, there's a sort of constant kind of Im- impression that we must be constantly with our kids and maternal guilt is definitely a real thing um clearly, clearly I'm a bit evil because I never felt terribly guilty <laughs> but uh, and I was lucky to have a very supportive um husband and you know he who was like yeah, yeah you should go for a run go for a run um but yeah it is a huge thing um that you hear all the time just like oh no I can do that oh no I can't I can't join groups for my long run because I'd be more, you know away from home longer um again it just doesn't seem to be something that 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 the men that, that, who are dads say um nearly as often but there are notable exceptions and lots of very, very even and fair partnerships and so on but it is definitely still a thing i mean it's it's definitely what kind of comes out i mean my i, I guess i'm a bit different my kids kick me out the door because they know that i'm a nicer person when i get back <laughs> yeah. from my run also that dad gives oh, yeah, them much better <laughs> snacks than i do um but it is a real thing and it's a real issue especially once you have children is you know kind of social media tells you you should be spending every second with your kids and I know I'm a much better mum for having my own goals outside just being a mum and I guess that was the re- one of the reasons that picture went so viral is it really kind of resonated with women that you know they had this kind of sense of self before they had children and and they'd lost that and um, a lot of it is giving yourself permission but I think there's a lot on the partner to give you that permission and because it's really hard to ask for time once you've had the kids and 
kind of I have lovely messages from from men who said, you know, my my wife used to run before she had kids and had this time and she just stopped. I just assumed she didn't want to do it. And then I realized that she was really struggling to say that that was okay. And so I'm making that time for her. And, and I think setting these challenges is really helpful because it's easy for you to just say, I'm not going to take my time for myself. I'm not going to do my run or my yoga or kind of, kind of going out with my friends because, you know, something's come up with a kid and I've got to sort this for, for school. If you've got that event there in the calendar, I hear it time and time again from women, that's what they make sure they make that time because they've got to do their training and it's got to be flexible and you drop runs. I drop stuff all over the place. My training calendar looks really good on Monday. And then by the time I got to Sunday and my coach said, uh, you did that bit on that day, that bit, and you didn't do that, but you did that instead. I was like, it's just life. Yeah. But you do make that time. And I think it's really important to feel that you're making that time and, and really kind of speaking to the partners to to try and make that time for, for the mum because often she's not going to ask for it herself. I think also is there not a, there's also a case where it's not selfish in the sense that it's you know you're being a role model and you know uh, you want to as someone with a teenage daughter you know you, you hear so much about teenagers struggling with dropping out of sport teenage girls you know um, body image issues and so on and you know <laughs> I like to justify my my runs I say I'm providing a good example here probably <laughs> uh, self-justification there but you know but it is kind of important isn't it. Okay, now I'm a trustee of women in sport who've done this brilliant work into primary girls and teenage girls. And, you know, at the age of five, girls have less self-confidence in their sporting ability than boys. And that just gets augmented as they go through kind of the teenage years and, and teenage girls drop out of sport at such a high rate. And I would always do think to my kids, first of all, my boys think that girls are better running than boys, which is absolutely Great. true. Um, also better footballers because they love watching the Women's World Cup. Yeah, there we go. Um, but, you know, my daughter's going to see me and go, you know, it's important to think about your body as what it can do, not what it looks like. And um, I know we're going to be fighting against social media, um, but if I can set a good example to her and and show and it's other mums and other women that you know it's the juggle is is worth it. Um, it's an important thing to do. Definitely. If if people want to find out more about um, she races and how to support it, how can they do that? So the guidelines are all on the website sheraces.com, and we're Instagram at she.races. So um, pretty much sharing kind of what we're doing, but really it's a case of if everyone's at a race, if you're at a race, read the guidelines and you see something that could be better, talk to the race director, send them feedback. They don't know what they don't know. And really, kind of, we have absolutely fantastic responses from them. They really do want to make their races better, but they can only do it if they're given kind of that female lens. And if they're a bloke, they don't have it. Yeah. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast, talking about shoe races. Really important and interesting stuff. Thank you for your time. Best of luck in the 100. Uh, what, is it, what is the race coming up? It's yeah. a world championship 24 hours yes. in Taipei. Oh, it sounds fun. But yeah. th- I, I think I've also got to say thank you to Run as well because you guys have been behind the She Races campaign from the very, very start and um, sharing it and helping out on it. So really appreciate kind of getting the message out there. And um, and there's been a lot of change in races in the last year and I think it's going to continue. Great. I hope well, so. Our pleasure. And good luck yeah. with the world champs. Thank you. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A huge thanks to our guest, Sophie Power, and to you, of course, for listening. You can subscribe to three issues of Runners World for just £5. Head to runnersworld.com slash UK slash podcast offer to get this exclusive listener offer. Uh, thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Wait a sec, you haven't? <laughs> well, you can and you should. So please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your mates because it sometimes is useful. Uh, and you'll hear from us next week. Bye. Um, 
that's fun, mate, isn't it? I think there's, you know, there's. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.